0: From Freie Universität Berlin, I'm Jonas Benz, and this is the Affect and Colonialism podcast. Suicide attacks, in which fighters are willing to sacrifice their own life to commit an act of violence, have a long political history. More recently, they are increasingly embedded in the elaborate production of images – including video testimonies in which the attackers present themselves as martyrs and explain their political goals. Today, we talk with art historian Verena Straub about the visual politics of affect in suicide attacks. Verena, welcome.
1: Thank you, Jonas. I'm happy to be here.
0: Verena, in our contemporary political landscape… Um, suicide attacks um, are almost exclusively seen as a specific mode of violence by Islamic extremists. But they do have a long political history in different contexts, don't they?
1: Yes, of course. If we talk about suicide attacks, um, we we are dealing with a very diverse history. Um, Suicide attacks were committed by the most diverse actors in very diverse regional and political conflicts and uh, contexts. Um, So many scholars, um, for example, date the first modern suicide attacks to the Russian anarchists um, around uh, 1900. And, um, but, of course, suicide attacks um, have then um, yeah, been um, deployed by like, very different actors, like from um, Palestinian and Libana, uh, Lebanese um, um, malicious groups. But also, if you think about Tamil Tigers in Sri Lanka, the Kurdistan Worker Party, Chechen um, separatists, up until, of course, um, global terror networks, such as um, Al-Qaeda and the so-called Islamic State. But I think what is important um, to uh, emphasize uh, when we talk about suicide attacks is that even though um, the attacks are often um, associated with non-state actors, that um, of course also state actors um, used suicide attacks as a military strategy. very prominent example, of course, are the Japanese kamikaze um, pilots during the Second World War. And what you mentioned um, also about um, the very dominant focus on Islamic um, suicide attacks, I think, is also connected to um, a very selective historical view that is often put forth, um, a view that often roots suicide attacks in a more like Shiite um, tradition, um, so, very often, um, modern suicide attacks um, are, like, b- rooted um, in, the, in the Iranian uh, context and the ideal um, of uh, self-sacrifice from a Shiite tradition that was then, of course, adapted um, by Hezbollah in, in Lebanon. And from there, um, kind of, was a strategy that was globalized around uh, the world. But uh, what is often forgotten is um, that even in the Middle Eastern context, um, suicide attacks were also uh, used by um, secular um, groups. For example, if we think um, about the um, first suicide attacks in the Palestinian context that were framed not in religious terms but in in secular um, nationalist um, terms and that were very much embedded in, in a transnational context of anti-colonial and anti-imperial struggle. And, uh, yeah, more recently there uh, were historical accounts, for example, by um, historian Josef Kroitoru, who emphasized this secular tradition of suicide attacks um, as well.
0: And um, you've recently written a book about the role of images and image production um, in suicide attacks. And there you also say that more recently Maybe since the 70s or so this um, these image production is not only a side phenomenon of suicide attacks, but it's an important integral part of it. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yes. Um, so maybe first of all, um, if we think about the visual um, or, yeah, the, the visuals of uh, suicide attacks, of course, we often think of images, Um, of the actual attacks themselves. I mean, of course, very prominently, the collapse of the Twin Towers in New York. But what I was interested in in my book was to trace a different um, visual history of suicide attacks, namely the tradition of depicting suicide attackers or suicide bombers as martyrs. And... um, we can find um, examples um, of of these images as early as the 70s um, within um, Palestinian groups who um, designed uh, martyr posters of um, suicide attackers. Um, And then, of course, um, um, the so-called video testimonies that emerged in the mid-80s in the Lebanese context, in the context of the Lebanese um, Civil War, Um, where suicide bombers for the first time presented themselves in front of the camera as living martyrs by saying, I am the martyr, even before the actual attack even happened. And so what I was interested in my book was, um, first of all, to trace that visual history, but also um, to ask the question how these images and the production of these images are um, very much involved in the actual attack itself. So basically, questions of these images agency in political contexts.
0: And um, what do you think? What do these images do um, in the context of a suicide attack?
1: I think this question has to be answered from very different um, on very different levels. Of course, on the one hand, these images partake in uh, propagandist goals. Um, So I looked at the ways in which these images were instrumentalized by uh, military groups um, and how these images were used also to recruit um, um, future suicide uh, attackers and also to somehow um, foster support within certain um, communities of sympathizers. But then um, I was also interested in the um, yeah in the question how the production of these images um, themselves are um, connected to um, the violent act um, itself in a very direct way because of course if a suicide bomber in front of the camera um, um, talks about, him or herself already as a martyr. It's also a kind of like affective um, yeah, uh, perspective or setting that's then uh, put into motion. And um, some organizers even talk about these uh, video testimonies as some sort of contracts between um, the, the party that organizes the attack and the individual that then um, agrees um, to, to partake in this act. So this kind of active position of of these uh, images was uh, what I was very much interested in.
0: Yeah, let me pick up on this um, politics of affect that is inscribed in in suicide attacks, because in popular discourse, the the frame um, which people choose to talk about suicide attacks is usually the idea of terrorism, right? And um, terrorism as a frame implies that suicide attacks are mainly about bringing forth a specific affective dynamic, namely fear, right? So um, the idea that these attacks are um, put forth to create fear with the enemy um, um, as a military weapon. But I would assume, and that's also what you explore, I think, um, that the politics of effect at play is much more complex than, than that. So what do you think about you know, the kind of politics of effect that suicide attacks are all about?
1: First of all, I think it's very important to um, emphasize the fact that these video testimonies have um, yeah, a multiplicity of um, addressees. So they have like, very different um, kinds of communicative purposes. I mean, you mentioned um, um, yeah, terror or um, feelings of, of anxiety and fear that, of course, are um, yeah connected with some of the messages that are um, articulated in, in these video testimonies. So on the one hand, they are sometimes very directly addressed um, towards the um, enemy or towards the, the societies that... Um, are hit by the attack but then on the other hand the video testimonies also um, speak to a more internal um, group as I already mentioned um, they are also um, recruitment tools in a way so they want to create feelings of admiration that of course is also very much connected with the image of the martyr that of course is um, an image that's very powerful and that speaks to positive feelings in, in many societies. So, um, yeah, I think we have to look at these both sides if we think of the politics of affect when we speak about these, um, these image testimonies. And maybe um, one reason um, why these images evoke such intense feelings is also that the fact that they are connected to an individual body, they show a person, they show a face. And I think um, just by seeing individual faces, that allows for both um, the construction of the image of a martyr, of a very positive image, but then, of course, the construction um, of uh, the enemy.
0: It seems what you're saying is that what we can explore through understanding these affective politics and the visual affective politics of suicide attacks is also the relationship of state violence and non-state violence. Um, because when when we talk about the idea that suicide attacks are about terrorism, they're, they're directed against an oppressive state, and, and you also say that these um, martyr testimonies put often individuals and individual lives in the center of the aesthetic message, then this seems also to be a kind of violence that is also aesthetically put against a kind of state violence that is much more impersonal, that is maybe not seen as as effective um, or emotional as this this kind of resistance violence. I would assume that many or most of these actors see themselves as resisting against a greater or more powerful enemy. So what does this tell us about the politics of affect as it is distributed between the state and non-state fighters?
1: Yeah, that's a very a very good point. Um, and I think it's, it's a very complex um, <laughs> question also in relation to the images themselves, because of course... Um, you're right, and as I um, already mentioned, the, the images that focus so much on the body, on the individual, on the individual martyr in a way are opposite to um, common images that are circulated by Western states when it comes to depic- depictions of war that are, as you already mentioned, very much connected to an aesthetics of distance that show war almost in a sanitized, Way And this already started, of course, with um, the images that were circulated um, within the first Gulf War. When we think about images um, like satellite um, images or the images um, from so-called missile cams that basically showed um, the trajectory of a a missile, of a a rocket until it exploded. So these are all images that are, um, yeah, void of, of humans, that are void of the actual violence itself. And so in a way, one could say that um, the video testimonies by martyrs um, counter this image. But then again, and that's um, why I said um, it's also complex, is um, that uh, especially recently, if we look at um, the video testimonies that are circulated by um, for example, the so-called Islamic State, we also see images that yeah, connect to this um, image of the sanitized high-tech war, or for example, images of drone war, by integrating computer simulations, for example, that present the suicide attack as if it was um, a high-tech operation that was done on the screen. Which of course is a as a construction, but it's interesting that um, yeah this this imagery um, is um, taken up, and one could say that this is maybe an attempt to counter the Western um, domination of the of this kind of imagery. Um, but it's yeah it's it's interesting that. Both um, of these sides are um, present in these images at the same time. The very personal, very um, bodily um, image of the martyr, and then this very distant aesthetic of a sanitized high tech war.
0: When you're describing this ambivalence uh, in the aesthetics, on the one hand, modern, rationalized, clean, aesthetics of a war like a um, rational operation and on the other hand the personal story, the individual body, um, a a story of suffering. I understand that often people also tell, um, attackers also tell their personal history in which they have also suffered from state violence and these two modes are both not easily um, attributable one to the state and one to the non-state actor, but they somehow mix and it's a complicated uh, question. So that puts basically also the, the question to the fore what kind of violence are suicide attacks in relation to the West. And I think that is something that um, is discussed often when we talk about suicide attacks, we think of this as anti-Western violence. Um, So how anti-Western do you think are uh, these aesthetics of suicide attacks?
1: That's a very important question, I think. And of course, um, as we are dealing with a variety of contexts, one can only answer this question in relation to very specific examples. So If we look, for example, at the um, Martyr posters um, that were circulated by secular Palestinian groups in the 70s, for example, um, we can see that their their aesthetic also is very much embedded in um, transnational transnational networks of anti-colonial and anti-imperial struggles. And one can see that already in the production of these posters that are sometimes um, produced by graphic designers and artists who were involved in many different contexts around the world. And this is also true for the martyr posters that I looked at uh, in the context of my book. For example, um, one martyr poster by the uh, Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine was designed by a Swiss graphic designer who was involved in left-wing anti-imperial resistance in Europe and then uh, moved to Beirut where he then uh, started to design posters for the PFLP. And so we already see um, that here it's first of all a very transnational context that we're dealing with but a context that in, in this specific case one could say it is an anti-colonial or anti-imperial aesthetic that also recurs to symbols such as um, the raised hand clenched uh, clenched, uh, into a fist, for example. But then if if we um, look at an entirely different set of examples, for example, the um, uh, image testimonies by the Islamic State, we can can see that despite the very passionate anti-Western propaganda that is put forth in these uh, testimonies, the imagery and the aesthetics uh, themselves are deeply intertwined with Western visual tradition. I mean, um, many um, scholars have pointed to the fact that they draw from Hollywood cinema, for example, but also a very recurrent theme is... You ask computer games, for example, such as um, Call of Duty, that is like omnipresent in, in these uh, video testimonies, or of course popular social media image practices such as selfies, um, but also memes or the use of Facebook live streaming, for example. So I think in these contexts, it's it's hard to say that this is a, an anti-Western um, aesthetics, and um, maybe by looking at these images. It becomes very clear that this is nothing that comes from the, somehow comes from the outside, but that it, that this, these images are images that are very much embedded uh, within Western culture
0: as well. When you talk about this, it seems that looking at these image practices might also help us to better understand the. Ambivalent effective politics of colonialism more generally. The question, what is colonial violence and what is anti colonial violence, seems to be difficult to differentiate. And one is maybe reminded of a very you know, already classical book of colonial theory by Franz Fanon, The Wretched of the Earth, where he also describes the kind of anti-colonial violence um, that uh, the um, Algerian um, resistance is involved in and the psychological consequences this has. And he also um, makes a parallel to um, the colonial violence and he says that the kind of violence from both sides is harming everybody, um, the colonizers and the colonized. So would you then say is there an aesthetic difference between the violence of the colonizer and the violence of the colonized?
1: Yeah, as I just um, tried to explain with this example of the of very recent IS um, videos, I mean the imagery that is um, taken on or this this. Imagination of like a high-tech war is also um, co-opted then by non-state actors, for example. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't make this dif- difference as a such a, a clear difference when it comes to aesthetics. But of course, if we talk about um, the effect of politics in the discourses on suicide attacks, I think it's very important to notice um, this this difference. For example, Western scholarship was, for a very long time, almost obsessed with psychological factors or psychopathological explanations, like suicide um, attackers were portrayed as um, fanatics, paranoid, or as madmen. And these were, of course, very Orientalist fantasies, right? I mean, um, in that the other, in this case, the suicide bomber, um, who was associated also solely as the Islamic suicide bomber, um, is constructed as emotional emotional and irrational in contrast then um, to um, Western violence as being rational and somehow uh, void of this emotional uh, power.
0: So when you're saying that um, looking or investigating these um, visual politics of suicide attacks more closely, we find that this is quite a messy thing in which many assumptions that we have about the nature of violence and the aesthetics of violence that we have in mainstream political analysis maybe do not serve us very well. Would you think that um, there are ways to interpret this kind of aesthetic of violence with a more decolonial gaze. What would you say? How should we look at these images, these video testimonies through the lens of the analysis of the workings of colonialism?
1: Yeah, on a very basic level, I think um, it's important that to realize that um, the way we feel about suicide attacks is uh, not just about the devaluation of the violent act itself, but um, that this uh, feeling is very much um, structured by um, colonial power relations and uh, by Orientalist narratives. So the question that um, Judith Butler asks in the foreword to Talal Assad's On Suicide Bombing um, is, why do we feel horror and moral revulsion in the face of suicide bombings while we do not always feel the same horror and the same moral revulsion um, in, in the face of state-sanctioned violence? And I think just already posing this um, question already points to yeah, a different perspective and a different way of looking and discussing these acts um, of violence. And this, of course, is also connected um, to the question of terminology. I mean, this is a question um, that runs through my book. How do we talk about these acts? How can we talk about these images? then also, um, especially when we um, maybe again talk about the Western discourse um, on terrorism that's often used in a very generalizing and unquestioned way to describe suicide attacks. Um, no matter if they were um, actually directed against civilians um, or against military bases. So we have to, first of all, realize that by um, using terminology such as terrorism, we're not using an analytical term that somehow would describe a certain set of criteria, but instead that this is a very um, political term that comes with a certain argumentation that is based in colonial power structures. To answer your question about um, yeah possible decolonial ways of discussing suicide attacks and looking at these images, I thought it was very um, helpful to uh, follow Judith Butler's um, argument in Frames of War where she basically says that sometimes a change of framing also allows us to direct our gaze at the frames um, of interpretation themselves. And in relation to image practices and images in general, I thought this was very helpful. And uh, in my my book, I tried to put this thought into work by also involving artistic practices that then appropriated um, images of suicide attackers in very very different ways and so the main question for me was how does the appropriation of martyr images in art contexts offer new ways of framing and then also maybe new ways of looking at these images new approaches um, to these images that also confront Western preconceptions about these images and their effective dynamics.
0: Verena, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, UNS.